Ben and you're listening to a special Christmas edition of the YYY Files. This is the advent calendar. Over the days throughout December you may have seen a series of posts on social media around a carefully selected list of Stoke City players. These players were selected and revealed on a specific day in accordance to the squad numbers they used to wear on their red and white backs. For this Christmas broadcast I thought it'd be fitting to spread some festive cheer and celebrate some of our club's greatest ever players. Now because I don't want to be by myself at Christmas I've invited somebody back to the podcast to come and help me out. Tony Lloyd, Merry Christmas, mate. Happy Christmas, mate. How are you doing? I'm, I'm very well. I'm trying to get myself into the Christmas spirit, considering that at the moment it is Sunday the 17th of November. <laughs> uh, and we're recording a Christmas special, but uh, we'll work around that because we've both got things to do around Christmas, haven't we? So, <laughs> how are you? You well? Yeah, not bad, really. Struggling on. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's the morning. Yes. Neither of us have had very much sleep. We've had busy nights and evenings. We've got lots going on. And 31 exceptional (laughs) um, (laughs) Stoke legends to have a quick look at. It's very exciting. It's very exciting indeed. To be honest, I don't know what made me have this idea come into my head, but I wanted to do some sort of Christmas special. I don't know what it was at the time, but I thought, well... Let's just nick an idea of somebody else that I've seen somewhere and do an advent calendar because <laughs> that seems to be the best way to engage people every day over Christmas. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes, eh? Maybe revisit after we've done fifteen and see if you still think it was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and it almost definitely will not be. But here we go. Let's see if people enjoy this anyway. If you're spending your Christmas day listening to this, then I'm I'm good really luck, sorry. Yeah. Um <laughs> Hopefully you're spending it on Boxing Day or the 27th when nothing really happens. But but yeah, anyway, so for those of you listening, if you missed the opening of the advent calendar on social media, come and find us at the YYY Files. If you want to give a present back to me this Christmas, uh, why not have a go at telling your Stoke City story on the podcast? Head to the yyyfiles.com, the social media pages, or email the yyyfiles at mail.com. Uh, all addresses and handles have no dashes, no spaces, and no caps in them. Tony, should we dive in, mate? Let's dive. <laughs> Let's dive into Christmas. Dive into a very <laughs> red and white Stoke City Christmas. <laughs> now, I know it's the 25th of December when this gets released, but we're going to run through the advent calendar all the way through to the 31st. So if you don't like spoilers, I guess you just have to stop at 25 and come back every day for the new one. And I'm sure there's plenty of players that I've missed out. I've had to make some big calls on who to leave out. Uh, so please keep your abuse towards me and definitely towards Tony towards a minimum because I picked the list and it is Christmas <laughs> after all. Big decisions no less than the first player in the calendar. Number one is almost definitely going to be a goalkeeper and... Despite a number of really big candidates, I've uh, I've gone for Gordon Banks. 250 appearances for Stoke between 1967 and 1973. He was a club record signing at the time for £52,000. He's a World Cup winner. He was club president. He's Gordon Banks, Tony. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm right in saying we're both goalkeepers. 
Yes, yes, that's right. So we, we have an affinity straight away. I think everyone knows the bank story. Best goalkeeper ever. Uh, won the World Cup, as you say. Won the League Cup with Stoke in 1972. Had a car crash, lost the sight in one eye. He was chased from club to club by the poor man's Prince Andrew, Peter Shilton, um, until he retired, pretty much. He's from Sheffield. He grew up, I'm pointing, you can't see I'm pointing, but just over there. <laughs> Very, very near my house, and his dad ran an illegal bookmaker shot two minutes down the road in the other direction. Played for Chesterfield, showed himself to be good. Went to Leicester, showed himself to be good. Before the young, up-and-coming Maradona victim, Peter Shilton, said that he'd leave if he wasn't made first choice, so he was transfer listed. Shankly wanted him at Liverpool, but the board wouldn't pay for him, apparently. West Ham wanted him, but they'd already agreed to sign somebody else, so in, in he came to Stoke and the rest history. Two FA Cup semi-finals, as well as his League Cup win. Um, also, from what I gather, the world's nicest bloke. Well, yeah, I'm, I think I've said on the podcast before, or maybe I haven't actually. Um, I've been lucky enough to meet Gordon Banks. Uh, it was in a pizza hut um, in Newcastle on the Lime, <laughs> and, uh, and he was just eating dinner with his family. And I sort of interrupted very naively and said, "Can I have a, a photograph, please, Mr. Banks?" And he mm-hmm. very kindly obliged, and he certainly didn't have to do that. But there's there's something to be a player of Gordon Banks's caliber. To have so many stories about you from from so many people that are so positive, and then to be Stoke City Club president as well. I mean, it just shows how good of a person he was. And sadly, he died in February this year. And the club gave him such a amazing tribute, the send off he deserved. And as I say, he he deserved everything he got in football, didn't he? Mm, absolutely. And I think I think when he went to America after he left or was partly retired, I think he. In his one season, he he was named goalkeeper of the year for the league in America. So it wasn't bad, even <laughs> even afterwards, really. No, it turns out you only need one eye to play football properly. Well, yeah, <laughs> bless him. Yeah, if you're good, uh, of course. Yes, he was quite good. Other notable candidates: uh, Asmir Begovic, Jack Butland, uh, Steve Simonson probably missed out. Mm. But I mean, it is Gordon Banks. I couldn't I couldn't not put Gordon Banks in. I think. Uh, number two, uh, we'll go with Carl Hufkins. 96 appearances for Stoke and five goals between 2005 and 2007. He was Fans Player of the Year between 2005 and 2006. And he had a 100% penalty record, which uh, is something <laughs> these days we probably take for granted back then, but these days we could really do with someone with a 100% penalty record, couldn't we? It's incredible. Can you imagine it? <laughs> I, I, I did have that in my very small notes as well. Yeah. I remember when, when he signed, Boskamp signed him, and he was just so exotic at that time. <laughs> he was he, he was a good player. He, he had a bit of pizzazz, and he could go forward and play on the wing. And and he was also very handsome. Um, <laughs> that helps, of course. It, it does. I'm pretty sure he went on to be an underwear model, but I might have misremembered oh. that. But I'm, I'm absolutely sure that was a thing that happened. <laughs> but, and then he eventually went to West Brom, which was back in the days where that was considered a step up. So... Mm. Weird throwback, but yeah, Hoofy was ace. See, this is the thing. I, I have no memory of Carl Hufkins. I, I just wasn't a Stoke fan at the time, so I'm relying on you here. But <laughs> yeah, by all accounts, good right back, and that's what I've heard from everybody else. I'm yeah. sure he's been mentioned on the podcast before as well. I'm, I'm sure he's he's made some YYY files teams. I'm, I'm sure he has, yeah. So yeah, Carl Hufkins at right back. Uh, we've not had many other number twos. Jeff Cameron moved to a number two. At some point, saying that, if we go back further, we'll have had some, a lot of right backs again, I'm assuming, at number two. Uh, trying to think of one off the top of my head. 
was Lee Dixon I should right be jumping. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, Lee Dixon was right back. I got, I could have put him in, but I went for Hopkins just because. Well, I think he's a uh, in the forefront of a of a few more fans' minds. He's he's more of a Stoke man as well. Lee Dixon, much as I love him, and I'm proud that he was a Stoke player, is forever associated with Arsenal. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> and because he's Arsenal, we have disowned him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving swiftly on, then number three is Danny Higginbotham. 80 appearances for Stoke, 7 goals between 2006 and 2013, uh, which doesn't seem that many in my head, although he did have a spell at Sunderland in between, I think it was 2007-2008. I think he started yeah. off as a centre-back, turned into a left-back, uh, disposed Hufkins as the penalty-taker, actually. Ooh, he, he did have a foot on he him. He did have a foot on him, and I was just going to go on to say that the FA Cup quarter-final goal to put us through to the Wembley semi-final, followed by that goal against Newcastle he scored. Exact same free kick just yeah. a couple of days later. He said that Stoke was the best days of his career and can't blame him considering all the stuff he achieved here. Yeah, I mean, his free kicks were insane. And just just the... <laughs> I'm, I'm going to hit it so hard that it doesn't matter if it hits the wall, it'll just go through yeah. it. But I think he played more games for Stoke than anybody else. So I think we can claim possession of him. Mm. I, th- I, th- I mean, he obviously had a bit of a career before us and a bit of a career after, but he um, he did play more for us than anybody else, so that's nice. Yeah. And and um, and he's got the Gibraltar thing, which I like as well. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Just turning up for how... a country after he's retired. Yeah, because what age was he when he decided to play for Gibraltar? I think he was, what, 31 or so? I don't know. I think, was I think he was older than that. Yeah. I think he might have been mid-30s, but it, uh, is his mum from Gibraltar? Yeah. It was something yeah, like that. He's got like family and like his, his uncle yeah. was the coach or something. So, yeah, it's just just one of those nice stories. And he, he comes across well nowadays as well, commentating. He, he just it just seems like a solid, decent chap, yeah. which is good. He always talks well of Stoke. Maybe not so much about um, what's happening these days, but he's always said how much he's enjoyed mm. his time here. And for me, he was... One of the only left-backs we've ever had. I know that Eric Peters has got to be in there as well at number three. but I would add Andy Griffin. I'm sure he was a right-footed yes. left-back. Mm. Um, but I, I have a feeling he wore a funny number, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But I, he, des- he deserves a mention as, as one of our one of the first of our sort of conveyor belt of homegrown full-backs, which we seem to... We'll, we'll get to him. We don't seem to do anything else other than uh, <laughs> homegrown full-backs at this football club. It'd be nice if we can find ourselves a striker that'll bag us a couple of goals. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. But we'll move on then. Number four. Only one man for me. Robert Hooth. 188 appearances for Stoke. 18 goals. Which is remarkable, really, for a centre-back. That's like one in ten. Between yeah. the years 2009, 2015. That's nine goals in 2010, 2011. <sighs> What can you say he, about Robert Huth? Is, what what can you say about the Berlin Wall blessing? I mean, he did love a header, yeah. particularly in the first first few years on the Pulis when that was our our default scoring method was a corner or a long throw or some cross into the box when the centre backs were up and him and Shawcross just got loads. It seems like it seems like forever ago. It's the quote that he said that time. You know, I don't have time to bleed. Oh like, yeah, at, 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 like. <laughs> he, he, he was just something else and, and he's proved on to be something else when he left as well like winning the Premier League again with Leicester yeah. and, and, and off the pitch he's just hilarious we know that yeah. uh, but, but for Stoke he was part of those FA Cup and Europa League runs for me that, that was the best time I've ever had as a Stoke fan and you know part of that is down to him and another one who speaks very highly of us which is lovely 
It is lovely, and I, and I guess that's why he's he's got some persuasion to be included in this list because I know we've had a couple of other number fours at the club as well. But uh, yeah, Robert Hoof for me is the one that stands out. Okay, we'll move on then. Number five, I've gone for Sergei Stanyuk. <laughs> Tony's got a little grin on his face. Uh, Just go on, do your stats. Uh, well, I'll, <laughs> 95 appearances, five goals between 2001-2003. Not a player who was a long servant for the club, but for some reason the fans just warmed to him, didn't they? It just what a play, just a massive, scary man. <laughs> just brutal. <laughs> and also, as with Hooth, just happily wiped out opposition defenders to score bullet headers from set pieces. He was just the most committed do-or-die defender you can imagine. And he came to us from Russia and then mysteriously just went back to Russia amongst some rumours that someone or some group of organised people over there were very insistently returned. And it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It doesn't seem that long ago to me. But at the same time, it definitely felt very Cold War and dodgy. <laughs> but he just, yeah, it was like, I've got a two or three year contract, whatever it was. I play the game. I mean, at the end, it was like, oh, no, back. Back I go. No, bye. Thanks. But he oh, was, dear. he was, he was a bloody good defender yeah he's been mentioned on this podcast a number of times if we're going to put the the previous two together in a room Sergei Stanyuk and Robert Huth who wins in a fight uh not the room (laughs) yeah there'd be nothing left no it's it's like the world's best rage room I guess yeah there'd there'd be nothing left of the room there'd just be like a blank space and them just sort of sat there having a beer probably afterwards or vodka or Something strong. Something strong. It, mm. Each other's blood. I don't know. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. like Sergei would punch Houthi in the bed. <laughs> in the bed? Yeah. Well, well, look if, look if, it, if Sergei wants to hit Robert Houthi in the bed, then that's that's completely up to them, I guess. I, I imagine there would be a great deal of mutual respect. <laughs> well, certainly if they both got what they wanted, anyway. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I. I think we uh, I think we better move on from that one just in case we get in trouble. Um, <laughs> number six, then again, a couple of choices here. I've gone for Glenn Whelan. Three hundred thirty-eight appearances for Stoke, eight goals between two thousand eight and two thousand seventeen. Just it, the glue. The glue, exactly. He well, the glue in the sense that he brought the scene together, and the glue in the sense we just couldn't get rid of him, could we? <laughs> and, and, and we still haven't replaced him since, really. Anyone he partnered would just bring the best out of him. Stephen and Zandi, especially for me, mm. who came into Stoke with potential and didn't really grasp it straight away. And then he worked with Whelan and, and Zandi gained the reputation he did with Stoke. And yeah, just Glenn Whelan helped Stoke tremendously. He was standing captain for Shawcross when he was injured. And at the ripe old age he is now, he's still going as well. It, yeah, if. It- it always felt like he was one of those players who was the captain on the pitch, whether he had an armband or not, organising and telling people where to be and what to do. And funny, he came to us from Sheffield Wednesday, and when he was there, he was like a Frank Lampard figure, just scoring loads of goals from mid from midfield. Mm. So when we signed, obviously being in Sheffield, I had lots of people telling me what he was that kind of player, and obviously we we took that out of him fairly quickly. Yes, we did. To the point where if he, if he had the ball on the edge of a box, you'd hear more people shouting, don't shoot, than shoot. <laughs> Bless him. But no, he was he was the glue. And I think, well, I think he, he did probably leave at the right time. He could probably still be doing a job for us now, to be honest. He was he was just a, a, so hard working. 
Yeah. And good. He was a good player. And I, I think towards the end, we lost appreciation of that because we were used to your Anzonzis and a bit of flair. But he was, he was a bloody good servant to a club and he's very welcome. Yeah, exactly. Stoke got carried away to some extent to the success they were on and they were forgetting that players like Glenn Whelan are the sort of people that got them there in the first place. And how many how many times did we try and replace him? Well, we're still trying to do it now, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> like I know that we've sort of got a couple of contenders there in the current day, but I'm sure they won't get 338 appearances like Glenn Whelan did for Stoke. No. <sighs> yeah. God, we're shit now, aren't we? <laughs> we, we, we yeah. Everyone Sent needs a villain in the middle or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's not dwell on uh, the negatives by not having Glenn Whelan. Uh, and let's think about the times where we did have my number seven. Now, there's someone I possibly should have gone with here, but <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think who you mean. No. Yeah, okay. I really could have put Sir Stanley Matthews here. Uh, one of Stoke's greatest ever players, obviously. But I haven't gone with him. I've gone with Liam Lawrence. 125 appearances for Stoke, 24 goals between 2007 and 2011. And just a reason why I've gone for him personally, because don't forget, this is these are my rules. You know, <laughs> I make the rules up. These aren't Stoke's greatest ever players. These are just players who I, I believe me and Tony have memories of. And he scored 15 goals in 44 games to get Stoke promoted to the Premier League. And he's a big reason why Stoke achieved and maintained their Premier League status in the first place. I think for all the success we've had in our recent history, he's a huge reason why that's ever been possible in the first place, along with everyone else who was associated with the Premier League, but him especially, Liam Lawrence. Like, so Stanley Matthews was an excellent player, one of the world's best, but Liam Lawrence just... Did, did Stan ever fall over a dog? Well, did Stan ever fall over a dog? Did Liam Lawrence ever fall over a dog? I think that's the real question here. <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment. He's but, another one from round here as well. Yeah. One of my mates was at school with him, and apparently he wasn't that special at football at school, but he obviously took to it eventually because he was, yeah, he was he was just all action and, and fist-pumping and hugging Tommy Sorensen. He was like the red and white action man wasn't he he genuinely was yeah he had the sort of uh he had the look about him as well he yeah someone should have made like a action figure of him when he yeah. was he'd have done quite well with that yeah any action figure that already exists is pretty much interchangeable if you just put a red and white shirt on you yeah. could convincingly say yeah that's that's lenny <laughs> um and we swapped him and dave kitson for mark wilson off portsmouth which is a bit of a harsh way to go out yeah it was really but i suppose liam lawrence had his time here to some extent and he might come up later mark wilson he is Ooh. sorry spoiler alert if you've been keeping up on social media you'll have seen that he's in this anyway so no spoilers yeah um, but you made the rules ben today is your day well you and jesus today is your day well well thank you very much but but you know i've invited you in this as well so you can take I... just as much time as I have, <laughs> even though i picked everybody on this list uh I agree with all of them apart from the ones that people disagree with. That's that's very political of you. Uh, <laughs> you should you should run in the general election that has already happened and oh god that's Oh a, Jesus that's, Christ. That's, oh god. Will the internet even exist by the know. time? Maybe you need to put it out early. Put oh, it out the first. <laughs> no, because this is gonna oh. be like a time catch for what it was like to be happy. 
and then in in a month's time, it, it's almost a month to the day. Yeah, it is. It's too early to start properly drinking, but I'm considering it. Yeah, maybe Christmas will have been cancelled. I. It's almost certain. Yeah. Well, you never know. We might be in a socialist utopia. <laughs> I. By the time this comes out, everything might be amazing. We'll all be too busy partying on the streets to listen to podcasts, but I'll take that, I think. Well, then, what's the point if that does happen? Because it won't be special, because every day will be Christmas. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. so you can release it whenever you want. Yeah, exactly. Football. Yeah. Football, just a quick word on Liam Lawrence before we move on. He's still in Stoke now, you know, he's after retirement, joined BBC Radio Stoke and done other bits in media for the club, and just another player that we can't get rid of thankfully <laughs> much like many of our present squad apart from we're they not paying reasons. him loads of money yeah <laughs> yeah they won't be sticking around here after they retire i'm quite sure but yeah liam lawrence i've i picked him and screw you um <laughs> well saying that again we might be in the playoffs by the time this goes out tony hang on <laughs> <laughs> maths um... yeah maybe. We, but in in heading in that direction or we might be rock bottom and already mathematically relegated. Oh. Fun times. This is really exciting. This is this is horrible. I don't like recording a month in advance. I'm not going to do this again. <laughs> no. I, actually, that's a humongous lie. I do it all the time. Uh, <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, Same time eight, next then. year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this should be released 2020. No. Oh. no. Hang on. No. Why? The internet will have gone by then and nobody will be able to listen to it. So Seven more general elections will have occurred. And we'll still not have left the European Union. And Nigel Farage will still be wearing his... Hopefully not his face. Uh, look, look. <laughs> Let's not bring politics into this podcast. Football! <laughs> <laughs> Number eight. Uh, <laughs> I've gone with Jimmy Greenoff. 346 appearances for Stoke and 103 goals between 1969 and 1976. It's loads. That is ridiculous, considering that he was signed for the mere fee of a club record £100,000. That's course. a lot of money in 1969. Well, yeah, it was. You could, but yeah. You could buy a country with that. <laughs> um, he obviously won the League Cup in 1972. The seventh all-time goal scorer for Stoke, which is what I didn't know. He's he's well up there, and possibly the greatest England player ne- never to receive a cap. He's on that list, definitely. You'll never guess where he's from originally. Is he from Sheffield? He's Barnsley, but it's close <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah, he's he's another one from up here. It's a yeah. hotbed of future Stoke players. Yeah, I'm too old now, alas. Well, um, I was going to yeah. say maybe you should be head scout and see if you can uh, see if you can find us some new players from the north. <laughs> I'd back myself more than Mr. Mark Hughes, but we'll, we'll get to him later. Well, um, but yeah, uh, Jimmy's not been well lately, so get well soon, Jim. Yeah, bless him, yeah. Well, I mean, Jimmy Greenoff. Moving on. Number nine, then. I nearly went for Cameron Jones. No, that's a lie. I didn't nearly go for Cameron Jones. Oh, uh, he was good when he was good, though. I, I Listen, I'm not taking a bet now. I really liked Cameron Jones, <laughs> uh, but I feel like I would have been crucified if I hadn't picked one of a plethora of number nines that Stokes had. Again, I'll probably still be crucified for one I've picked because I've not gone with Stokes' all-time top goal scorer. I've not gone with anyone who's made the most appearances. I've gone for Peter Thorne, though. 189 appearances, 80 goals between 1997 and 2001. Joined for half a million pounds. 
he is the 12th all-time highest goal scorer for Stoke. Yeah, I've gone with Peter Thorne because, well, people have spoken about him on this podcast, as I've said before, and, and Peter Thorne, yeah. I, I can see Tony getting excited again. <laughs> all, all, all this talk of your crucifixion is very festive. It is uh, very festive. Yeah. Maybe I'm but Jesus. No. <laughs> who would argue um, <laughs> as, as far as Peter Thorne goes I, I think I would direct any inquiries to the excellent article that Dave Cowlishaw wrote on the Wizards of Drivel blog yes. and also the excellent article in the October Doc Magazine because they are very long and have lots of excellent words in in yeah. a really good order um, but he was just a a ruthless finisher, just a, a proper fox in the box, a goal machine, a second division, what's now League One, uh, Gary Lineker. And it just clicked at Stoke for him. It, it just seemed like it was the perfect match. He just, it, it just came to Stoke and everything just clicked. And then eventually you went to Cardiff in that season where they tried to buy the league and we beat them in the playoffs. And that was just amazing. I mean, that, that first leg was the first time I'd ever had that feeling at a game, possibly the last time it's happened as well, that this is it and something amazing is going to happen and whatever happens, this is going to go right. Like We lost 2-1, but that one with about five minutes left of the game, to this day, I don't think I've ever celebrated a goal that much. I just went full mental (laughs) and I was just absolutely convinced that that was the goal that meant we'd go on and win the away leg and we'd go up. And a bloke actually told me to calm down a bit at Stoke no. so the level of me going mental at that point was was unmatched by that bloke yeah clearly <laughs> um, so shout out to Dion Burton for scoring that goal but Thorny was the best striker we had for many 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 years yeah. and yeah just hero legend wonderful just brilliant yeah I mean I, I've got no personal testimonial towards him I wasn't old enough to see him play but one stat that grabbed me when I was looking through 30 goals in 55 games during 1999 and 2000. That's unreal. And he was, yeah, and he was he was missing the old game through injury, and then it'd always take him a game or two to get back into the swing of things, and then he'd score a million goals, and then he'd just get a knock again and miss a couple of games, and then it always took him a couple of games to get going. So all, all, all the goals he scored were in like little concentrated bunches of games where he just scored everything you could imagine. And like I say, I've gone with him just because... I think more people who listen to this will resonate with Peter Thorne and Tony's nodding at me in agreement, which uh, hopefully means that you all are as well. Speaking of players that just clicked with Stoke City, number 10 was a really tough call, again, in some ways. It was obvious, but it was difficult. I've missed quite a few good players. The one that springs to mind immediately, uh, Marko Natovic, obviously. But I don't think I could have gone with anyone else, really apart from Ricardo Fuller. 208 appearances, 50 goals between 2006 and 2012. Another one that joined for half a million pounds. And he did the most amazing things with and for this football club. And he was a running stick of dynamite, maybe. (laughs) But um, Stoke City love him and he loves Stoke City. And it's just a perfect love story, him and Ricardo Fuller. It is. Uh, the comparisons with Peter Thorner, they were very different kind of players because Thorne was just a an in-the-box finisher and Rick would pick the ball up on halfway and beat the entire Aston Villa team, as you know. Um, but he very much took over in some ways, just that unbelievable player who would just change the game one way or another. And just what what can you say about Rick? Is 
I genuinely I can't find any words apart from to say that comparing him to Peter Thorne for his impact is yeah. is high praise. I think. I mean, he's he scored fifteen goals in our promotion season. <sighs> I, again, without him, we wouldn't have had any of the success that we've had. Uh, he also scored mm-hmm. eleven goals in the season we stayed up for the first time, and some of the goals as well. A question for you: the goal against Villa or the goal against West Ham, or I, or a another? Uh, I can't even. I can't picture any goals that he scored that weren't amazing. And there must have been one where it just hit him, but just, just all of them. All of them. What a shit answer! But just everything he did, even when he hit Andy Griffin, who I really like. Yeah. Just everything he did was just perfect, and also Stoke, and it yeah. just. He just elevated us. Oh. And how can you not love him? He's 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 still in Stoke now. You can go out on a Friday or Saturday night and see him partying in town. Doesn't his mum still go to games on the bus or something as well? Yeah. I'm sure I read that somewhere. Yeah, and and of course he still plays as well. He plays yeah, he was at the Dabbers, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's still there. I wasn't sure if he was this season, but who knows? I mean, by December, he might, he might be back in the league. Well, I, I I believe at recording this time in November, has he re-signed? No, resigned. Has he... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he re-signed. I, whether I missed that over the weekend or not, I'm not actually sure. I think Tony's just going to... Uh... I have no idea, but I, last season he was playing football still, and he just he just seems like a really happy bloke as well. He is a really happy With, bloke. And, unless you're Andy Griffin. Well... <laughs> I bet even then, you know, he, he went, oh, Rick, give him a punch on the shoulder in the yeah. change room and goes, never mind, mate. And never played again. A, a really sad story. Um, I bumped into Ricardo Fuller in Revolution in Newcastle. I saw him dancing and I was just <laughs> going to go and walk up and say hello. I, it was Halloween, so I was dressed as a vampire. Um, <laughs> and he ran away. Oh. So I didn't get to say hello, and I, and that's that's one of my true life regrets. I think. <laughs> so there's always time. Just keep going to those time. places. Please come on the podcast, Rick. Please. <laughs> I know you've already done Wizards of Drivel, and that was good, but please, just for my personal happiness and my self worth and <clears throat> all of that, Ricardo Fuller. Okay, number eleven then. There's not that many I could personally find. So one that sort of stabbed out at me was Peter Herkstra. Not one that I personally have a lot of recollection of. I'm sure, Tony, you'll have more. 88 appearances and 12 goals would sort of uh, suggest, you know, he had a decent time. But I think he joined us at a relatively old age and he was an excellent player in Holland. And he just turned up to Stoke and bossed the league that he was in. He was ridiculous. I, I think I've said on this very podcast how much I absolutely love him. He was my favourite player for... He, he possibly still is my favourite Stoke player. Mm. He's, he's definitely up there. He was he was kind of like the proto-Peter Crouch in, in that way that we signed him and you just sat there thinking, how is this person that I've actually heard of and seen play on the telly wearing a Stoke shirt voluntarily? It just made no sense. Like He, he looked like you imagine Ajax players would look in the 90s as well and he just played like it. He was just tall, messy, just, just doing things with his feet that were ridiculous and because he was uh, 6'2 maybe 
six three. Yeah. I mean, he was he was he was on Outovich like. Yeah, but he he was he was sort of gangly in the same way as Peter Crouch is, yeah. and then he he just dribble through fifteen Reading players. I mean, just just go and watch that Reading hat trick video and note the long ball for the first goal was delivered by another Dutchman I still can't believe we had, which was Ed De Hoy. Mm. And then the second goal is just ridiculous. Like, if you imagine Matt Letizia, it's just like one of his goals, but he hit it harder. And he went in a completely <laughs> straight line. And in my head, he was stood in, like, the fifth row of the stand, although actually he's just inside the penalty area. And every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, he was further out. But bloody hell. It's just such a good goal. And he even made the hat-trick, he even makes the penalty good. Just what what a player. I just can't say enough. Well, I mean, to put it into some context, he was voted the best Stoke player to play in the first 10 years of the Britannia Stadium. Now, how much that might mean to people, because first 10 years of Britannia Stadium... Hmm. But, uh, not, not the peak years, necessarily. Not the peak years, indeed. But, but I think that was it. I think he brought a lot of joy to a lot of people at a time where there wasn't a lot. Wonderful. Wonderful, man. And now he's a... He's a youth coach at FC Groningen, I believe. Ooh, I bet I bet he's really good at that. Yeah, he seems that kind of guy, and I bet he's really imposing as well, but in a calm way. Yeah, I like think who that'd be like in in a kind, but a little bit stern, but kind. Just a yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll move on to uh, to number twelve, and um, I'll be honest, slim pickings <laughs> uh, from what my memory will serve me. I tried to do every bit of digging that I could, but when I found Mark Wilson, actually, he did quite a lot for Stoke, really. 179 appearances and just that one goal between 2010 and 2016. Centre midfielder turned left back, best left back in the world, according to Tony Pulis. <laughs> turned centre midfielder again when we actually when we actually signed a left back and didn't have to play him there anymore. Famous for the Cruyff turn. <laughs> He, I was going to say he might have he might have only scored one goal, but how many times did he do that drag back dummy, leaving? Well, two Liverpool players sliding off the pitch yeah. in that wonderful gif yeah. that everybody should enjoy forever. Yeah, they should. I loved him for that. That that was enough for me. Just for every time he did it, you're like, oh, oh, is it going to go badly? And it never did. And yeah. it just every time he did it, whoever was chasing him down just ended up on their ass, and it was just just beautiful it's like how has nobody else done this why has nobody else thought of this mark wilson god bless him is not lionel messi and yet if there's one or two players running to close him down and he's got the ball on his left foot near the touchline everyone in the world apart from those two players know what he's going to do and he'll do it and they'll fall over and then he'll just walk away with the ball and it's just i just a lot to admire in that having one trick and using it brilliantly but he was versatile and he he should be a stoke legend really because he played over 100 games more for us than he did for anyone else which as you know is my measurement of whether they should be a stoke hero now um so he's ours and he's from northern ireland which is contemporary exciting um (laughs) apparently he scored a goal in the school's gallic football final in um 2001 so even more versatile than you would have thought but hard working and just a lot to like and yeah, good on him. Oh, apparently he was also really bad at drinking. He was always first to be really, really, really pissed on club nights out and then regularly let himself down and everyone was a bit mean to him. I can imagine that, actually, to be fair. Yeah. I can see him being the one where everyone's ordering a pint and he orders a uh, 
WKD, and he's just leathered off it. Yeah. <laughs> but but good value, it sounds like. So. Good, well, I mean, it yeah. is good value if you're getting pissed off a of one pint. So yeah, good <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, we got a lot out of him, considering I don't think we expected him to have the effect that he did on the football club. And yeah, he left in a pretty terrible way, you know, basically saying that the manager was shit on social media and didn't know what he was doing. Uh, it turns out he's mm. right. Something yeah. Uh, but you just don't do that, do you? Um, well. And now he can't find a club, bless him. He's not retired yet, I don't think. No, he was at Bolton, wasn't he, when they mm. went bust. So he's um, primed for some youth coaching opportunities or something. Yes. But um, yeah, good old Will Dog. Will Dog, yeah. That, God, that social media handle. Was it Will Dog as his social media handle? I think so, yeah. yeah. It sums him up quite nicely, I think. He's just, he's, he's the not cool, the, the cool, not cool person who's just a bit, I don't know, likeable, I think. He's definitely the guy at the bar who, he asks everyone to call him Will Dog, but nobody does. <laughs> they all call him Mark in his, <laughs> in his, in his black bomber jacket with his WKD. And he's like, boys, I'm sorry. I've had way too much to drink. I'm going to have to go home. And it's like half past nine. And they're like, no, don't. you can't go home. And then they'll like make him do something dreadful and tie him up in a hotel room or smash a window or something and blame it all on him. I, I think that's the story about him. Yeah. I can't remember the detail. But yeah, but yeah, bless him. I, just, I sort of want to look after him. But at the same time, he, he was not a bad player. Not a bad player at all. Deserves credit. He's, well, and that's why he's here. But not at a bar. <laughs> No, I won't yeah. buy him a pint because I think that'll be the end of the conversation by the sounds of it. Um, Just for one. Number 13, a number that players tend to avoid, uh, certainly here anyway. I think we've only ever had one number 13 in the time that I've supported Stoke. don't know about you, Tony. Victor Moses is my only option that I could find. Victor Moses... He's a winger. He's fucking ace. He's fucking ace. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs> no. You were thinking it, though. Everyone's thinking it. <laughs> 23 appearances, four goals in the 2014-15 season on loan from Chelsea. And the thing I like most about him is he rejected a callback to Chelsea halfway through the season. They said, come back. And he said, no, get out. And then, unfortunately, we couldn't convince him to sign him permanently at the end of the season and join West Ham instead. But we'll yeah. gloss over that one. Um, I really like Victor Moses for the time that he was with us. Yeah, same. You mentioned number 13. I absolutely like 13 is traditionally the second choice goalkeeper's number. Mm. And I absolutely love it when outfield players wear number 13. I think Muller wears 13 for Germany still. Mm. So I immediately just like him because of that. So when Victor Moses was wearing 13, I was like, yes, excellent. And then he turned out to be really good. <laughs> and he had the best song of that little era, I think. The pre Muniesa song, anyway. Um, yeah, and then when he did go back after his loan and then went to West Ham, he just set a trend for our excellent wide players to fuck off there and make me sad. Yes, indeed. Um, I think if Shakiri had gone to West Ham, I would have oh. flipped my lid. Yeah. I, I really dislike West Ham because yeah. of all of these things that they've done to us. <laughs> they even had Damba Bar, and <laughs> yeah. like like we could have had Damba Bar. That's that's that was really sad. They also had Carlton Cole, who we were almost destined to sign. He he should have been in this list, really. Yeah, maybe in some ways we should be grateful. <laughs> 
Thank you, West Ham. <laughs> this has offset your stealing of Arnautovic and Victor Moses. I think they've got Kevin Keane as well as a coach, who's still one of my one of, was one of my favourite Stoke players. So I'd, I'd like if they could send him up the road. I'd like just because I don't want him to be there. That'd be all right. Yeah, yeah, quite. I don't I don't care if he's happy. <laughs> yeah, Victor Moses. I wish he was with us for longer, but sadly yeah. he went and played right back for Chelsea, which is apart from Manjuice's inclusion at right back, one of the more bizarre uh, position switches I've ever seen. It worked. <laughs> yep. Moving on then, number 14. Well, Jamie Ness very nearly made this team. It, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Tony. Uh, yeah. I like, he's, he's Scottish, so I like Jamie Ness. Yeah, that's what I thought. But I think he did absolutely bugger all for us, didn't he? Anyway. In the, yeah, in, in the tradition of Dave Rosen, people from... Did he come from Aberdeen? Jamie Ness? Oh, I don't know. Because I'm from Aberdeen, so I oh. attach myself to these North East Scotland people, including <laughs> Charlie Adam. Um, <laughs> but no, he, he didn't do very much. I mean, he, did he end up at Plymouth? Uh, something like that. Sorry, Jamie Ness is not the number 14 on this list. Continue no, about your business. Not. Number 14 on this list is Carl Muggerton. Uh, Muggleton, I'll say, not M- Muggerton, because well. it's Christmas and I'm very drunk. I'm not. Um, <laughs> 177 appearances for Stoke between 1994 and 2001. Uh, joined for £150,000. My only recollection of him is second-hand. I, I believe it was Nigel Johnson that told this story on this podcast. Was it was it Carl Morgerton that got subbed on and Nigel got confused? I don't know. I might have to go back and listen to uh, the podcast, which would be a bit ring a bell. That might not have happened. That might be somebody else completely. In which case, I've got very little on Carl Morgerton. It's, it's being confused certainly sounds like him. Famously let seven in against Birmingham and then eight against Liverpool. I think that was in the same season. Oh, Christ. Bless him. He, he was a Stoke goalkeeper when I first started going and automatically that made him like one of my favourites because I was a young goalkeeper. I was 17 maybe then. And I was still young enough to think that I could do a job in this team and watching him didn't dissuade me of that particularly. Bless him. But I, I, did, I always loved him, and I can't, through the mist of time, explain why. I think maybe he just had a funny name, and I like that. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Went on to inspire J.K. Rowling in the Harry Potter books. Um, <laughs> maybe for his shit saves. Uh, but <laughs> Yeah. Well, there had to be saves for them to be shit. No, he, he was... He, he definitely had solid games. I think he's just remembered for times when he was he didn't... He was no um, Gordon Banks, we'll say that much. No, but he has managed to swindle his way onto this list, so fair play to him. Yeah, good luck to him. Good Sorry, Carl. I'm sure you're not listening, but if you are, I did love you. If you are, come on the podcast. I'm yeah, uh, no, but still. But like, come on anyway, it'd be good fun, yeah. Right, Maybe right to I'd, reply. I, well, exactly, and I'd like to learn more, because I was, well, when you signed for Stoke, I wasn't even an idea at that point, so, yeah. It, it, it's so old. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. We'll move on to number 15 then. And I'm not even going to put a big lead up to this one. Stephen and Zanzi, 120 appearances for Stoke, seven goals between 2012 and 2015. And I think he's one of our most technically gifted, greatest players we've seen in the last fair few years. He, in, and and he was involved in some of our 
greatest memories in the Premier League as well. Just a wonderful player who was too good for us, and we and he was let go probably just at the right time for him. Yeah, he, he was incredible. It would have been nice if we could have kept him, but he was. I mean, he won the World Cup three years after, four yeah. years after he left, and he he wasn't a bit part player. He's he's just such a good player. Yeah. And he had his he had his little annual sulk, or his agent had his little annual sulk on his behalf, and yeah. didn't care. But he was just, was, was, uh, he's, he's probably been mentioned on nearly every one of your files. Yeah, I think you're right. He's one of our top voted. Nearly everyone probably described him as a Rolls Royce. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He just, I've never seen a player with more composure, which is ironic considering he had a bit of a hot streak. Uh, yeah. He he was so composed on the ball, but if anybody touched him, they'd be dropped. I think <laughs> is is the way to describe Stephen Zonzi. Yeah, um, a bit of a Zidane about him. A bit of a Zidane about him indeed, and he was a record sale for us as well uh, for seven million pounds, only to be broken by Azmir Begovic a few days later. Uh, so wow. that's a that's a very transient record for him. But for me, the memory of him. There's a few games, but. He played that part in the 6-1 win over Liverpool and I just remember him flicking the ball over Liverpool players' heads as if they weren't even there, as if it was a training mm. session. And that, for me, just... It, he was, as you said, a Rolls-Royce. So good, so talented and too good for us eventually. Yeah, well, too good for us consistently for a while, to be honest. But yeah, no, that that Liverpool game was when we peaked, wasn't it? And. Oh, yeah. I think that that felt like him peaking as well. It was just an all-round performance by everyone, but he was just oh god, I do miss. I mean, we've got good centre midfielders now who I really like, but bloody hell, he They're was not good. Stephen Zanzi, are they? They've not got that all-round ability about them. There's always a weakness. The glide, <sighs> just the movement, just ah. Oh. And he'd never get picked up. He would like. Through Stoke fans, he was underrated, but even in the media, he, he was never highlighted or picked up or anything like that. And that's why I think he left for such little money because he should have gone, in my opinion, oh, yeah. four or five times what he went for. In the end. But he, he, even now, post winning the World Cup, and I've forgotten where he plays now, but I'm sure he's done he's done well at club level. Mm. Um, if, if you speak to a non Stoke fan and say, like, how good he is, they're just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Uh, what's he ever done? It's like, well, he won the World Cup. He won the. Europa League was severe. Twice, was it? Twice See, I, I, I had this argument with my Forest fan mate and I couldn't remember the details, so I should really have looked it up. But yeah, I'm like, he's, um, he's, and, and he'll have run that team as well. Yeah, exactly. He'll, he'll be dictating plays. Just, oh, he's such a good player. And the only reason why he ever left those clubs, because he went on to uh, Roma and I think he's at Galatasaray now. And the only reason why he ever left was because he just loved a transfer request. <laughs> yeah. Like, I see. Fair play, he must have made a lot of money through uh, signing bonuses. So, uh, Fair, yeah, good luck to him. Good luck to him indeed. Th- th- uh, thanks for being ours for a bit. Yeah, hopefully you you come back and <laughs> have a nap out in Stoke on Trent one time. Oh, you'd be very welcome to slot into our midfield. Well, um, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even if you're well past it. Yeah, yeah and any time in the next few years, I think that'd be fine. Yeah. I, well, I mean, we are past it, I suppose, as a club. Yeah, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be. Uh... Speaking of past it. Speaking of past it, number sixteen. <laughs> Glorious two-way pond, both being past it, as in fat and old, and passing the ball. Oh, my mind's sorry. Gone. You know Continue. what? 
I'll throw a third one in there as well. And with this player, we'll have passed the halfway mark. Something he sometimes liked to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, he never did it. He just made the ball do it. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, we're obviously talking about Charlie Adam, which is a compliment for him, really, because I could have quite easily picked Jermaine Pennant in this list. But I went for Charlie Adam, who made 179 appearances for Stoke, scored 21 goals between 2012 and 2019. As you can see, a controversial figure within and outside of Stoke. But he scored some important and spectacular goals for Stoke. Both important and spectacular. Like, he scored, was it 21? You said? So there was 20 that weren't the goal against Chelsea that everybody doesn't remember yeah it's it's i mean i like charlie adam Mm. which i realize is controversial in itself i think he scored seven in one season yeah 13 14 was it and it's a shame that he'll be remembered more for the penalty miss and falling over taking that corner yeah than some of the good things he'd done i I wish he left the season before all that happened partly because we might have stayed up but also because he'd be remembered for the good stuff when he was quarterbacking it around the bits where he wasn't standing on people. But he resurrected that in a cameo in the cup game against Shrewsbury last season where he just completely ran the game mm. for the first hour, maybe. And it was yeah. it was just surreal. I, I like him because he's Scottish. I just I was excited when we signed him as well because he was he was really good at Blackpool and then he went to Liverpool and he was right. And then he came to us and it was like, yeah, this is a, we're, a, we're, we're not a big club, but we're growing. We're going in a good direction. And he went to school with another footballer called Gary Kenneth, which proves that being Scottish and having a first name as a surname is just the hallmark of being absolutely excellent. <laughs> or just having a career in football. Yeah, I haven't had a career in football. No. Oh, well, yeah, but, that's a good but, point, actually. Not yet. But still. Come on. Yeah, no, there's still time. There I is mean, time, Tony. I, I retired. The playing pitch, but... Yes. I... No, I've got nothing else. I do like Chuck, though. Yeah, I, I like Charlie Adam as well. I think we forget that, yes, when he left, he was past it, but he was mm. with us for seven years. Like, he was with us for a long time, and I certainly forget that. When he signed for us, he was a good player, and I think he was a very important player. He just, with the way that Stoke were going, he just become pretty useless very quickly. <laughs> it, it, it's unfortunate, but... He just wasn't the player to drag us through a relegation battle. But during the times where Stoke were good, he was good as well. And he helped us achieve some great things along the way. So, you know, the credit's got to go to him as well. And and he still speaks very highly of Stoke in some regards. He uh, obviously mm. has a few lashes at certain people, whether they're at the club or not anymore. I think that's a shame. I think if he, I think if he wasn't saying that Shakiri was the problem when we went down and things like that, I think he'd be remembered more fondly, generally. I think the downturn started for him when he said that Shakiri admitted that it was a cross and not a shot. And ever since then, people started oh. hearing Charlie Adam. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only one who's allowed to score goals from yeah. pretty goals. Yeah. Bloody I hell. still like him. I can look back on him more fondly now he's gone. I am pleased <laughs> that he's gone. But, I'm, but I look at him more fondly now. I do personally think more about the goal against Chelsea, the goal against Man United more than falling over trying to take a goal kick, which the video I I retweeted is one of my favourite ever tweets um, (laughs) according to my audience, so (laughs) well done him (laughs) Um, anyway 
we should move on to number 17. And it's Ryan Shawcross. Of course it's Ryan Shawcross. Wait till you hear this one. 445 appearances for Stoke, scoring 25 goals from 2007. And he's the only one in this list that's still playing for us. Of course, all of those stats were at the time of recording in November. Um, He may well come back from injury and Mm. gain a couple more appearances and a goal between now and then. But just to very quickly run you through what he's done for Stoke, if you don't understand already, he was a club record signing and the first million-pound player for Stoke City. He's made the eighth most appearances for Stoke since, and he's the only one in the top 20 to have played this millennium. He's been the club captain for most of Stoke City's Premier League era. People have called for a statue to have been made. He's almost definitely going to get a testimonial. I think I've said before, he's Mr. Stoke City to me. I don't know how much more you can add, Tony, apart from... Uh, yeah, there isn't there isn't much. I mean, he came on loan and he was one of those where he came from a Premier League club and it was like, oh, this is exciting. Maybe he's one we'll be able to sign afterwards, like we, we've had before... In, in that time when we're in that league and it just yeah it's just another another case of the right club and the right time and the right player and he was just and he still is and he's still going and he was on the bench at Barnsley as part of the coaching team from what I can tell which is apparently something Nathan Jones was encouraging him to do because he's, he's really interested in getting into management when he retires and it's just like that is it's written in the stars, surely. It's written in the stars, yeah. I think Ryan Shawcross has the potential to be one of Stoke City's most remembered names going forwards. As you say, if he makes that change into the dressing room eventually, he's still got time to play for Stoke now. I was worried oh, yeah. that, that if Stoke got promoted and Ryan Shawcross just couldn't keep up with that, then his Stoke career would be over sooner rather than later. But to be honest... The way Stoke are going right now, I think he could be in this team for another couple of years at least. And he's going to surpass some of those in the top seven appearances above him, you know? He's he's going to get higher than that. And if he mm. moves into the coaching staff, of course, Freddie Shawcross plays for us as well, and he's able to manage him, then, oh, can you imagine that? Oh. Ryan Shawcross playing Freddie Shawcross. That'd be... Oh, yeah. Wow. Like Steve Bruce and Alex Bruce, only good. <laughs> Hopefully, anyway. hopefully, yeah. It, right? <laughs> but he's yeah, no, oh, bless him. And and this, I mean, looking back this season, obviously he might have played between us recording and this going out. But in pre-season, he he looked like, and towards the end of last season, he looked like he finally got fit, and he yeah. just looked suddenly he just looked like him again, and it was brilliant. And then he broke his like the amount of injuries he's had with us, that huge back problem he's had that yeah. me and you, Tony, can both relate to, <laughs> yep. um, is absolutely horrible and no wonder. He's had stick from certain corners of social media saying, oh, like, it's a back problem, he'll be back soon. But me and you can testify <laughs> that back problems are serious and full respect to him to going back playing football full-time because mm. I really struggle personally. And yeah, he, he's broke his leg as well. He could have quite easily have 500 appearances by now. Mm. The thing is, on this podcast, I think almost everybody's named him at centre-back. I'm pretty sure he's the most named player in the uh, the Files FC. And everyone who names him says, he's a legend, he's probably going to have a statue, he's going to get a testimonial, we'll move on. Mm-hmm. And that's because everybody's like, oh, like well, everybody's spoken about him before. 
We don't talk about Ryan Shawcross enough, I think. He's been with us for a long time and he deserves it because he's been an absolutely quality player and such a good captain. Not the most vocal, sure, but leads by example and you don't stay club captain for as long as he has you know, pretty much throughout his time here. And he was young when he was captain too. Mm. And one of the best Stoke professionals ever. And he, he's really clear that he loves the club as well. Yeah. Like he, he has had offers and he's like, no, this is my club. Yeah, and it's he's like, just okay, plug that into my veins. It's not even been a question of him going, has it? Like no. any time there's been a chance for rumor, was there one where he was going to go to Roma or something like that? I think. Man, you had a clause in the original contract yes, saying we could have is. him back, yeah. and there was some omin and ahhing over that, and he's yeah, still here. Yeah. yeah, so good. Just yeah, they had, they had Phil Jones. <laughs> well, yeah, Phil okay. Jones, Johnny Evans, yeah, some of the best Whatever. players. They'd ever seen. I bet they could do with a Ryan Shawcross type player now. I think a lot of people would do very well with a Ryan Shawcross type player at the back. A full yeah. Ryan Shawcross, anyway. It'd do us some good. It would do us some good. Soon. Yeah, I'll be delighted to have him back. Um, and hopefully he is back to what he used to be because I just hate to see his final Stoke days as him sort of crawling across the line because I, I mm. do think that this will be his last club, one way or another. But I can't wait for the testimonial, and it's one that I will absolutely go to. I'll, yeah. I'll do everything to try and go to that game. Yeah. Brian Shawcross finally got talked about for a good period of time on this podcast, rightfully so. Right then, number 18, Dean Whitehead. A personal favourite of mine, I really like Dean Whitehead. 160 appearances, five goals between 2009 and 2013. After a bit of a dodgy start, he sort of grew into the midfield role at Stoke City. A very tough tackling sentiment, even if he was scared of the football when he got it. he sort of do everything to win it back and then go, I don't want this. <laughs> <laughs> just get rid of it. Um, but, yeah, That I, was his job, though. It was his job, and I don't know what it was about Dean Whitehead. Maybe it was partially to do because he was one of my best performing players in FIFA back in the day, um, oh. but, which is a bit sad. I'm sorry, everybody. But on the pitch as well, I just really liked him and his style and what he did for us and the fact that he went under the radar it's, it's very stoke to go under the radar and just get your job done and just not just be happy to be there but you know do your job do your job and yeah. if only some players in our current squad could just do their job right now you know mm-hmm. he was one of a gang we signed from Sunderland over that couple of seasons because yeah. we had um, Dilap and Higgy and Ken Wynn Ken Wynn uh, we just every transfer window, we just went up northeast and raided Sunderland, and we grabbed a couple from Middlesbrough as well. But yeah, he was just—he did start slow, but he just gradually became absolutely a key player. And I think in—I think in 2011, he was the first Stokes player to score at Old Trafford since 1980. Bloody hell! So have that. Have that indeed, and I wouldn't associate Dean Whitehead with scoring. He only scored five goals for us, and one of them was at Old Trafford. So I'm, I'm sure we lost, but still, I couldn't care less. It was yeah. a, it was a party to just score a goal at Old Trafford. Yeah. You remember the days when we lost? How much was it? Eight nil? Was that Chelsea? I don't remember. We lost at Old Trafford almost. Every we time. are no strangers to losing games. No, not at all. <laughs> um, yeah, Dean Whitehead, very much a personal favourite of mine. One that I'm gonna consider if I ever do my files FC personally. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, Dean Whitehead. I just I just like him. 
Yeah. Yeah, and a big shiny face. A big shiny face. Very Phil Jonesy in his expressions on the football pitch. Mm, yeah, better hair though. Better hair, which which is no mean feat because Dean Whitehead's hair was hardly well <laughs> desirable, uh, in my opinion. But <laughs> yes, a definitely better head of hair, and possibly a better footballer as well. Yeah, so screw you, Phil Jones. <laughs> I remember when we almost signed Phil Jones. Yeah. Was he from Round Stoke, or have I confused him with somebody else at Blackburn? I've, you know what, I don't know. Quite I mean, possibly. we're thinking back to long before he went to Man U, and it was like, oh, there's an up-and-coming defender, and he's from Stoke. I think it's somebody else, who I can't now remember. No. Bullshit, whoever they were. Alas, it doesn't matter. Let's move on. Number 19. Again, one that, for me, picked itself... Jonathan Walters, 271 Super. appearances for Stoke with 62 goals between 2010 and 2017. Surprisingly to me, he's Stoke's joint 20th highest goal scorer, and he's the only one in the top 20 to have played this millennium aside Peter Thorne. Mm-hmm. He made 102 consecutive league starts for Stoke, which I think we mentioned recently. That was a record. Is, well, yeah. not only uh, did Gareth Barry break that record or am I I'm not sure no did he break Gareth Barry's record I think he broke Gareth Barry's but I might be wrong I'm not sure now perhaps that is still a record good I'm glad because he deserves some sort of record yeah just for me those sort of between 2010 and 2012 because he did very well after that and don't be wrong he was one of my favorite Stoke strikers let me put that clear striker not right winger for me (laughs) But yeah, he had ability, enough ability, but we all know what John Waters was there for and why he made all them starts and why he's played all them games for Stoke. Yeah. It's, it's just, he, he bloody loves it. You love He loves to see it. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. So many people listening to this might not realise that the excellent and very highly rated youth coach, John Walters, was also a football player. But yeah, he scored that perfect hat trick as well. Did he score two perfect hat tricks? I think he might have had one for Ipswich as well. But yeah. it's it just blood and thunder, and yeah, he just epitomised that Premier League Stoke team. Really, yeah. just the action, all action, running, doing stuff, scoring doing better than he ever should have done. Just another one that that just clicked at Stoke. Yeah, and speaks highly of us again. And is on by the time this goes out, back. As a youth coach. Yes, I believe so, which is excellent news for him. Unless, of course, that we have a change of manager between November and December, which I don't think is unlikely. Um, oh, please, God. State. Yeah, no. I think I might cry as well, Tony, if, uh, if that happens. Uh, I'm already yeah. upset enough about the last one going still, <laughs> although I'm pleased with the new one at the time of recording. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, he's another one that's come back to the area, and the old lads are coming back. We've got Glenn Whelan to come back when he decides to finish playing football. And and, and we'll have almost a set. James Beatty's manager now, so maybe he's going to come back and manage us one day. Um, <laughs> It'll be assistant to Shawcross. Ah, yes, good point, yeah, because Ryan Shawcross is going to be our manager for the next 60 years, or yeah. however long he lives. Yeah. Um, medicine abiding. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. Yeah. Enjoy your life. It, well, he might be doing it in a wheelchair because of his back. Mm. Don't forget, you're here forever. Don't forget you're here forever indeed. You cannot leave. You shall <laughs> stay. You are bound to this football club now. 
was here between the years of 2010 and 2000, well no, even before that, probably 2007 to 2012, if you played for Stoke, you're ours now, I think it's contractually obliged, mm. you have to come back in some capacity, even if you're just Ricardo Fuller and you're just entertaining Stoke fans on a night out. Yeah, we're in their blood, like yes. a hepatitis or something. Oh my goodness. <laughs> How Christmassy. <laughs> happy Christmas. Happy uh, Hepatitis Christmas. <laughs> happy Hepatismus. Oh dear. We'll move on because I think we're, uh, we're 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 losing it, Tony. It's, it's nearly Boxing Day. <laughs> yeah, it is nearly Boxing Day, and it's November now. Um, <laughs> number twenty. I'm really excited about number twenty. Tunchai which sounds really daft but 55 appearances 8 goals between 2009 and 2011 he was just so unpulis like it was brilliant he he scored that wonder goal against Man United uh, he set up Etherington's equaliser against Man City with and I quote from the Daily Mail one of the best back heels the Premier League has ever seen <laughs> oh, high praise, it, high it, praise. Yeah. like I still can't believe Pulis signed him now and that was <laughs> what was he doing? He clearly had like a bat on. Like... Yeah, but I mean, he came with Hooth from Middlesbrough. Yeah. But that was, I mean, it was it was what made him so exciting, and at the same time, it was what made him go because Pulis never really trusted him enough yeah. to play him enough to make use of him. But he he had that same a bit of flair that Fuller had, mm. without being the same player yeah. i think if fuller didn't exist we'd probably think differently of tunchai and like he'd oh, be yeah. higher up yeah. our lists probably and he maybe would have stayed like i don't know but yeah no i i agree a good choice for number 20 and i think the only player for stoke as well to wear a snood <laughs> even when it was warm back in that sort of 2010 yeah, time where snoods were actually well probably one legal <laughs> <laughs> and two somehow cool because I was in school in 2010. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember everyone wore snoods, and I'd like to think that it was Tunchai and Sammy and Azri who kicked that off for us. I can, I, I'm just looking at the list. I can, I can picture the next two people on this list in snoods. <laughs> well. But I, I, I'm not sure if there would be a picture. The next one is definitely wore a roll neck. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for Tunchai as well, he was a record sale, and he huh? went to Wolfsburg for four and a half million quid. Mm. And he was like, what? I want to say late twenties, almost thirty at the time. Ooh. And this is when Wolfsburg were really damn good, like really good. They obviously saw fit to utilize him better than us. He very quickly left and went to Bolton and did he score against us? He definitely come on against us in that sort of uh, reverse 5-0 loss that we had. Oh. Um, uh, I don't know if he I've, scored. He definitely come on. I don't remember that at all, fortunately, that game. Oh. <laughs> Is that Happily. from your memory? Yeah. There's only one 5-0 we remember. Absolutely. Well, there might be another one, but not one. Not, not what we've lost. But yes. Sunshine is is another one for no real justifiable reason at all is one that I'd consider in one of my favourite teams for Stoke. But yeah, I like Sunshine. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> number 21. This is the last number that I had to fill in this long, drawn-out list. I really struggled for number 21. 
Stoke have struggled to fill the number 21 shirt generally. I think maybe we retired it after this player because he was so well thought of. Well, I know that Steve Sidwell wore the number 21. Oh, um, did he? Yes. Okay. And, and Steve Sidwell has been named in one of the Files FC teams, which is the most bizarre thing I've heard. Sorry, I am Fred. surprised, um, but, but he was, he was, he was, yeah, but he just didn't play very much for us. But John Halls did. He did. He did. He made 74 appearances for Stoke, scoring two goals, uh, which were in consecutive matches, by the way. Yeah. In 2003 and 2006. He managed to accumulate more red cards than goals. Um, <laughs> well, he, yeah, no, he, I mean, he's the second model on our list. Yes. Um, that's I'm what sure I you'll get really into that. interesting about this. He, um,. He's since set up his own fashion business and has become a successful model. He's a he's, he's model for Giorgio Armani, no less. He it is definitely fair to say he aged well. Yeah. But no, he he was like I referred to earlier. We had him on loan from Arsenal mm. back in the days when Arsenal would consider letting their players come to Stoke. <laughs> God, imagine! Um, but it was really exciting when when he came because he was a, a Premier League player, and I think he played a couple of League Cup games for him. And it was like, oh, this is exciting, and. It was really exciting then when after a, a season he, he signed properly. He, he still had a year on his contract at Arsenal, I think. And he was like, no, I'm enjoying my time at Stoke. I want to play every game. This is where I want to be. And then after three se- seasons, he went to Reading, which back then was considered a, a step up. I think they were they were going up. The ne- I think they went up the next season. Mm. I, don't, I don't think he started any Premier League games from. I think he did play the odd one. Apparently had a really shit time at Reading, didn't get on with Coppel as a manager, and just sacked football off eventually and, and became a model. But he's like he's done well for himself. But he, I think he said he regretted leaving Arsenal to go to Stoke, but then he regretted leaving Stoke to go to Reading more because actually he was enjoying his football at Stoke and doing really well. Mm. And he just he just felt like it was time to move on after three seasons. But he was he was a good player. He was like he was a bit. I sometimes mix him up with Paul Gallagher in my head because they were both good players who went on to they were just good players good footballers and we didn't have good footballers then particularly so it was it was it was very exciting and also the years maybe relates to modeling but the the years he was at stoke were some of the best years for kits i think just Mm -hmm. like all my favorite kits that i've still got a bit tight now um (laughs) but i I can picture him in straight away but yeah no i I like john halls oh good um i'm glad because I'll be honest, this is the first time I've heard of John Halls, which is a bit sad. I guess that's just due to my youth. Uh, yeah. So I, this is why I'm glad I've got you on, Tony. Because, uh, I, For the, I, the oldness. I, well, not the oldness, no. The um, the passionate recollections of people like John Halls, because I just wouldn't have a bloody clue, personally. Well, the only thing that I've known him for since, I think, did he have a fling with Colleen Rooney or something like that? I don't know. Oh, God. Yeah. I... Or, or something like that. I think they were in the same bar, and then the son probably went, oh, ah. here we go. Wayne Rooney's off bouncy-bouncy yum-yum time with some old lady, and John Halls <laughs> has swept in and... Dat the Halls! Dat the Halls! He's got to be in because Dat the Halls, Christmas, it's funny, get over it. Yeah, and he's um, certainly all right to look at. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, maybe he should be... On the on the podcast artwork for this episode, I don't know, maybe <laughs> not. Yeah, or we'll have Dean Whitehead instead as a contrast. Uh, sorry, Dean. 
<laughs> Actually, Woody off Toy Story. <laughs> a player who perhaps isn't as easy on the eye as John Hulls in terms of his looks, but definitely easy on the eye in terms of his skill at number 22. Jordan Shakiri being one of the more talented players I've ever seen play for Stoke. 92 appearances. Somehow we managed to squeeze out of him. Nearly 100 games with Jordan Shakiri in them. Uh, what a blessing. 15 wonderful, sublime goals. Maybe 14 because the tapping against Everton for his first goal was uh, fine. But between the years of 2015 and 2018, we had a world-class player. Record transfer fee from Inter, £12 million. One of Stoke's biggest ever coups, I think. Scored wonder goal after wonder goal. Humiliated defender after defender with that stupid little flip-flap he did. <laughs> that, that again, you know, like the highlights on Match of the Day, where they'd, uh, they'd show the game on Match of the Day, they'd talk about it for a bit, and then they'd show just, just one highlight in isolation. They wouldn't talk about anything else about the game, they'd just talk about that one bit of skill. And they did that, I think, two or three times. I think he learned it off Mark Wilson. Well, that's the thing, yeah. And, and he... It just played a part in a number of huge gains for Stoke. You know, the demolition of Man City. It's just a shame we couldn't keep us up, Tony. It is. I mean, through no fault of his own, despite what certain Scottish midfielders say. <laughs> he was just... He was so good. I mean, the first season he was injured more often than not, it seemed. Like, even when he was playing, he wasn't fully fit. And he was still great. Mm. And then when Arnie left, he just seemed to, like, say, right, it's down to me then and just just went for it and just did he was so good and it's so not that long ago that he was talking about him staying at Stoke because we were looking upwards and going to get into Europe he wanted to win the Premier League with us he wanted to play in the Champions yeah. League with us that, that, that's unimaginable now and it just sort of <laughs> highlights the crash we've had but I mean forget that just it was just for me as a Stoke fan signing a player like Gio and Shakir is what I live like, yeah. that's that's why I'm here just so we can have moments like this we're playing the infinite game not not the finite game Like and, mm. and just having players like him doing the things that he did, achieving the things that he achieved, it's just nice to have him. Yeah, I mean he was like a short Peter Herkstra yes <laughs> but no, no, I mean he was just so good and he, even in our I mean, we were in a good place when we signed him, or we wouldn't yeah. have got him. But, you know, we were battling for top half in the top division in the best league in the world, TM. And he was still, it felt like, bloody hell, I can't believe we've got him. <sighs> well, it's because the first time round he was at Bayern, and we wanted to sign him in the winter then. Mm. And, uh, and he went, you having a laugh? I'm going to Inter Milan, mate. I'm going yeah. to go to Italy and tear it up. What even is a Stoke? What even is a Stoke, exactly? Yeah. Um, and Roberto Mancini just didn't play him. Um, <laughs> to had to sell off all the players. And we were just like, hey, lad, remember us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had to think <laughs> about them okay. Premier cakes. League. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's all he ever wanted us for, I think, in a way, yeah. the Premier League. But to be honest, I don't care. Like, he was nope. just a wonderful, wonderful footballer. Still is. Still is. Although I think he's got us to thank for fixing his enormous calves. Because mm. without him, he would be on the treatment table more times than he's won the Champions League. Which, well, I guess actually it's only two. So, And he's definitely been on the treatment table more than that in one season for us. 
Yeah, that's still quite a lot of Champions Leagues to have won, though. It's it's more Champions Leagues than Stoke have won. I think it's more than anybody. Uh, is it more than anybody else on this list? Actually, there might be one who carry on. <laughs> yeah, good point. Because by that point, I don't think the players will have been revealed yet. Because of course, hello, it's Christmas Day. Yeah, um, not after twenty-five. No. But also, this this was the season where we had the most Champions League winners in the whole Premier League. Yes, in our squad because uh, we had Arnie had won it at Inter. Yeah, and and I won't mention anyone else. <laughs> uh, you can mention Darren Fletcher, I think. Oh yeah, I'd completely forgotten about him. Yeah, despite his Scottishness, forgot that he was any good, or just forgot he played for us. I remember him being all right for Scotland. <laughs> uh, his, his time as a Stoke player goes in the same category as Jonathan Woodgate, I think. Where I thought it was a really good idea, and I prefer not to think about it at all anymore. Uh, yeah, yeah, he he is not on this list, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, because he wore a number uh, that someone else definitely surpassed him with. <laughs> anyway, number 23, again, is sort of a number that I struggled with. Not many players wear the number 23, but I'm sort of glad that I remembered that this player did. Dionatan Texera I've gone for, which might be the most bizarre decision some people might find that I've done, considering he just made two substitute appearances for Stoke between 2014 and 2016. Once in the 2-1 victory of Aston Villa, and once in the win over Bournemouth, where I think we were really good, weren't we? And Bula scored, Affly scored. Mm. Just a really good game. Tony Scholes said when we signed him that he was, and I quote, a talented player with a great deal of potential. He, I think... Even he will admit he was not a great player. He may have had a great deal of potential, but rather tragically, he's he's no longer with us. He suffered a fatal heart attack in his hometown in Brazil in 2017, aged just 25 years old, and it, it's just really sad. I, I just wanted to sort of... There's not as many tragic things that have happened for Stoke City. I know he wasn't with us at the time, but... Yeah, I feel like he deserves a mention, you know. It, it, it was a bit of a meme. I met him. That, that was really good. I think I'm one of the only people to have ever had a photo with him. Um, and I was really... Was I'm, that a, I'm genuinely proud of that. Was that at Burton? It was at Burton. He was just sat... He, he was sat in the stand just in front of me. He wasn't part of the coaching staff. Like, like, he was wearing a massive hat. Yeah, he was wearing a massive hat and a big leather jacket. It was boiling. It was really yeah. hot that day because it was pre-season. Um, I also met him that day, but I didn't get a picture, which is definitely oh, one of my regrets. No. I think it, I'm really glad that he happened to wear 23 and has found his way in here. Because exactly. while, I mean, I alluded to it earlier, I, I think he summed up Mark Hughes for me as apparently Hughes had him on trial and decided, yes, this is definitely a Premier League footballer. And the couple of times that he was on the pitch, it did not look like he was a Premier League footballer <laughs> by any stretch. But we both bumped into him at Burton absolutely terrific bloke absolutely a genuine tragedy that he died so young and i think the response to him when that happened really summed up just it was just one of those places really fondly remembered as a person and as a, um, like when he played he certainly gave gave us all mm. but yeah i think it's old johnny tex bless him yeah. just a just glad that he was a stoke player yeah me too like it by the time he was here, I was happy he was here. It, it's bizarre because people would say that he wasn't good enough to get in a team and he absolutely wasn't, but he was never a player that I was like, oh, we need to get rid of him. 
I was just happy to have him and I think at the time he was happy to just sort of be part of it all because it was a good time to be at Stoke especially mm. um, and then I think his contract ran out and he left fair play or maybe got bought I'm not sure but yeah um, I'm also like you glad that he's on this list just to sort of remember him by yeah nice for him to be there and I think there might have been other players that have wore the number 23 and I've just completely missed them and I apologise if there's a really uh, prominent player that I've missed but yeah I think I'd like to think I've used that space well to remember him by. Mm. Moving on, because I know it's Christmas and we don't want to be talking about uh, things like that for too long. It's 24, it's Christmas Eve day. You'll have seen this player yesterday if you're <laughs> sad enough to listen to this podcast on Christmas Day. Number 24 has to be Rory Delap. 208 appearances for Stoke. Only eight goals between 2016 and 2013. Of course, when he signed initially on loan for us, on his home debut, he fractured his fibula and his tibula. <laughs> but that didn't matter. Tony Pulis signed him anyway, permanently. It just showed how hard he was trying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank God we did, because I've talked about Liam Lawrence and Ricardo Fuller and being some of the pivotal people to have got us to the success we've had in recent times. Rory Delap, by definition of his ability and with the incredible long throw asset that he had which set up a number of bizarre goals and turned us into a meme and made goalkeepers cry and make him <laughs> kick it out for corners instead of that was wonderful oh it was all wonderful it's a hole, wasn't and it? he played such a crucial role in stoke's recent success including promotion survival and the cups and he just brought something new to football yeah i don't think you can use the word iconic without I've said that wrong but you know what I mean yeah like, I do, he yeah. could he is so iconic for our time in the Premier League particularly yeah. for the first few years and the throw to an extent hid the fact that he was a really really very very good yes. central midfielder yeah and like we I mean we'd get him on the pitch he was so intelligent on the field and we'd try and squeeze him on by any means necessary so we'd stick him on the wing which is a very defensive minded centre mid but we'd stick him on the wing because he he, he just did so much work mm. mentally as well as physically and it makes sense that he's coaching and he's gone into that it, that, that just seems like a natural thing but sometimes it always feels like the throw overshadowed the rest of his game which actually was was better than people would generally remember but at the same time that throw was so special for us I mean it was a few years before but I think it was Dave Challoner was doing proper long throws on a massive cup run that Tranmere had. This is, I mean, this is mid nineties memory for me. So if it's wrong, it's wrong. Apologies, but it it was a really big deal. I mean, it just went away. And then, like a long throw wasn't a new thing, certainly, but the way he did it was just still like. Okay, I mean, I, I don't watch old football very often, but occasionally you just see one of his throws and you think that's like I can't. I saw that in the flesh and I've seen it on telly a million times and you get a bit of distance from it and look again and it's like, I can't believe he can do that. Still, I can't believe that is happening. Yeah. It he, just, it's so effective. He must have like dislocated both his shoulders or something to be able to wind his 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 arms back that far and to throw it at that flat trajectory that he did. I've mentioned it made people cry. Like, they were they were missiles going into the box, and it's just a shame you can't score directly from a throwing because I'm sure he would have tried. I, I mean, he basically did. I think 
what the aim of the game was. He'd just throw it at somebody and just hope it ricocheted off. Yeah. They didn't know anything about it half the time. It just landed in the net. But for me, one of the really important Stoke City moments to me is in the FA Cup quarter-final uh, 2011 against West Ham. And it was the first goal we scored that day. And it was a Rory Delap throw-in and Hooth sort of headed it home. And the commentator said it was the Stoke City goal. And it just yeah. was. If anybody mentions Stoke, you might mention a number of things. But Rory Delap's throws is one of them. And it's iconic, as you said. Mm. And he's sort of synonymous with Stoke to some extent. And I'm glad he's here now as part of the coaching staff because for all yeah. the throws and all the ability, he was the right character too. And it just shows that he's well-respected within the industry and not just at Stoke. And it's nice that he's here again. As I say, part of the old boys club running the show again. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Anyway, number 25 then. It's Christmas Day. <laughs> I suppose depending on when I can be bothered to release a social media post on Christmas morning. <laughs> maybe you've seen this already, maybe you haven't. So I'm going to have a little drum roll. <laughs> Sorry, I really shouldn't be doing that when I've got a desk microphone. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's Peter Crouch, obviously. Um, <laughs> 261 appearances for Stoke, 62 goals. Between 2011 and 2019, he signed for a club record £10 million from Tottenham. He come with Wilson Palacios, which was just wonderful. He, well, I mean, another one who just leads by the numbers, like most headed goals. Stoke's all-time Premier League goal scorer. Most sub-appearances ever for Stoke, 98. And mm. he managed to rack up his 100th goal in the Premier League with Stoke against Everton, and he did the robot... Mm. He's 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 got to be one of the most famous and widely recognised and most likable players globally. Forget Stoke and our own little clique, but generally he's got to be one of the nicest things that's happened to Stoke. Yeah, yeah. I remember assigning him, and it was the same feeling that I had with Shakiri. He was such a big coup. It was massive. He was someone I'd actually heard of because at the time I was too young. <laughs> probably 15 or something and, and I hadn't heard a, a whole load of footballers at that point but yes, Peter Crouch was phenomenal, generally left almost at the right time, I do wish he'd retired and not spent that six months at Burnley Yeah, I'm um, sure he did alright out of it Yeah, oh well yeah I'm, I'm sure he did and I'm, I don't know whether he's pleased he made the last moves to the PL and he retired there or not Oh I'm he glad probably... that he's just managed to fall on Christmas Day. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more appropriate than to have a a, a renowned podcaster as the choice for the day on a podcast on Christmas Day. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I when we signed him, I was really excited about Palacios. Yeah, like, I was well, excited I about was, Crouch because he was a really big name, but Palacios was the answer to our midfield problems. He was absolutely the wheeling upgrade we've been trying to get for years, and it just never happened. But then Crouch was just—he just—I'm just so proud that all those records that you mentioned he did at Stoke, yeah. and he played more for us than anybody else. Yeah. And he's ours. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily know it from his books, but he's ours. Yeah. And he was my daughter's favourite player until he left. Although I think it would have been okay if he'd left maybe a year earlier. Every transfer window. 
I was just dreading him leaving because my daughter would have been really upset. <laughs> so I was glad that he clung on. But also he was, I, I mean, up until that last season when he did go, I was banging on about him being our best natural finisher because he, he just was. Yeah. We didn't have that much natural finish. We had quite a lot of flair and talent, but he was just, he was that fox in the box, even though he was a massive streak of piss. He was, he just had that, that ability to finish. Yeah. And, he, he didn't play enough towards the end to really make the most of that because obviously, like we said with Peter Thorne, he needs a, a game or two to get get into the groove. But he, he, he did that job right to the end for us, bless him, yeah. and broke that record. I mean, some of those records came quite near the end and he wasn't mm. he wasn't as mobile as he might have been by then, but he was a bloody good player. And that, that goal... Ooh. God, I haven't even mentioned that goal. It's not even in my notes. <laughs> How disgusting is that? It, it, like, he did a lot, but that was a bloody good hit. Oh, God. So I wasn't actually there for that game. <laughs> Boo, plastic. <laughs> I, well, I didn't have a season ticket at that point, and I was just at home watching the game on ESPN, I think it was back then. And he scored that goal against Man City, and it's the only goal that I've jumped out of my seat for <laughs> if I wasn't in a crowd I like I was I was I jumped out my sofa what are you going to say well, window well, <laughs> <laughs> no I did that when Yaya Torre scored because <laughs> he because because he scored a, a quite excellent goal in that game as well to make it 1-1 yeah. from about 40 yards away I hate him I hate him for numerous reasons but as for Peter Crouch, just I'm so happy that he was a Stoke player. Yeah. I'm so happy that nothing happened to him whilst he was here that made people dislike him for some reason. He didn't bite anybody or punch someone or or sleep with somebody else or I don't know. He was wholesome. Yeah, likable. Yeah, like it wasn't very Stoke because everybody hated Stoke, but people like Peter Crouch, so they've gone, oh, okay, you know what, I don't mind Stoke so much mm. now. And that probably played against us a little bit. But I, uh, yeah, Peter Crouch, just, yeah, as I said, I'm glad he's fell on this particular day to talk about. Here's to Peter Crouch at Christmas. Cheers. Happy Christmas, Pete. Happy Christmas, Pete. I'm sure you're spending your day in front of a microphone yourself. Yeah. <laughs> in, in some shape He's or used or to work in Christmas, isn't he? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I suppose you never know. That that might be a microphone in like a karaoke set with his growing number of children still. Fair play to him, <laughs> considering that he admitted that he would have been a virgin if he wasn't a footballer. Uh, so to have sprouted that many with that lady, fair play to him. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, anyway, so we enter now into the players that you won't have seen yet if you're listening to this on Christmas Day. And then maybe for the few days going forward as well. So, if you want to leave us at this point, I won't do a proper outro, but I'll just say, have a very Merry Christmas. Tony, I don't know if you want to say the same. Happy Christmas, the next one's Everington. <gasps> Sorry, it's uh, uh, that festive... As if uh, as if you couldn't guess that, to be fair. Um, I've overdone but, it on uh, the Christmas festive festiveness. No, no, no it, it's Christmas, hey. you can't... No, it's Christmas. But yeah, Merry Christmas. Uh, Edrington's an axe. Uh, thanks, Tony. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. 
let's face it, you probably, if you made it this far, you, you're probably going to listen to the end now anyway. <laughs> uh, number 26 is, of course, Matthew Etherington. 177 appearances, 16 goals between 2008 and 2014. Of course, joined with a gambling addiction, which Stoke helps him to eradicate, and he repaid the favour as he was, I think, one of the most talented out-and-out wingers that I've seen play for Stoke. Uh, He played such a pivotal role in that FA Cup run and in the Europa League days as well. It's just a shame about that injury just before the FA Cup final and then the ones that sort of niggled with him ever since. Something that I that I like to know about him, um, he did retire as a Stoke player, really, despite having a trial at Millwall. He just chose not to accept it, and 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 he and Stoke was his last club, which that's, I'm really pleased about. Yeah, that's really nice. He seems to have this sort of um, joint loving with West Ham, which I'm really not a fan of. It always feels like he's doing that bit out of obligation, and he really likes us. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's like oh yeah, yeah, West Ham, yeah, I love West Ham. I was here as a boy and everything. Yeah, I love West Ham. Uh, oh, I also love Stoke, but really Stoke. <laughs> I mean, you know, fair play to him. He's He's, he's got his affiliations, but it, he, he definitely does feel like one of ours, doesn't he? And mm. it's, I mean, it's super ironic considering the Coates family business that he credits Stoke with sort of saving his career and helping him fix his gambling addiction, which is, I guess, nice. It's funny, you, you like, literally... It was like you were reading out my notes then. I've got mm. terrific, proper, old-fashioned winger. And if he just stayed fit, we would have won the FA Cup. It always strikes me as... It was like the slightly quiet one out of that group. But mm. you, you could tell that everybody in that group really loved him. And he was just yeah. such a nice bloke and so good. Oh. I think during 2010-11, I think you could have said he was our best player. Yeah, and that was a, that was a year that he should have got an England call up as well. Exactly, it's it's criminal how he didn't even get a call, yeah. let alone a cap. It, it ridiculous, and I feel very very sorry for him. But on the other hand, he achieved so much with Stoke. Oh, I just remember that really sad face that he pulled as he collected his runners up. Oh. <laughs> it's really sad. And I think he was gutted because he knew that if he was playing in that final, Stoke, I reckon, would have won that game. Yeah. As you said, like we, we would have done. Man City weren't much cop. It took us such a long time for us to finally let one in. <sighs> but for me, Pennant and Etherington together might be my favourite Stoke partnership. And I know it sounds weird considering they just played on opposite sides of the pitch. I know you mean that, yeah. But to me, they're, they're just Pennant and Etherington, Pennant and Etherington, Pennant and Etherington. Lawrence obviously played with... Etherington mm. as well for a period, but for me, yeah, it was it was it was Pennant and Etherington who just oh, the right foot, well, the correct foot on the correct side of the pitch, crossing the balls into big tall blokes, and it worked. Yeah, and even occasionally cutting inside and wanging one in the top corner. Oh, oh. God, I really liked Etherington. Yeah, I did. It really. Now, I love Arnautovic too, but if I'm going for left wingers, it's a really, really close call between them two for me. Yeah. I'm not going to name it because I don't think I could right now. Not until I have to. But yeah, Etherington, wonderful, wonderful player for us. And I'm so glad that we did take the risk on him. Yeah. Take the gamble. Ah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll move on away from the bad joke. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. 
Nice. 27 is Bojan. I don't care. <sighs> Shut up. I don't I don't know if there's even been another 27, really. We're getting into the sort of squad numbers now where back in the day, you wouldn't see these numbers because you'd always have 1 to 11 and their numbers would change all of a sudden. This is probably why I've not named many of the really classic players just because they never had a fixed number. But 27 was Bojan. Uh, and oh yeah I think we're both making the <sighs> orgasm noise that he deserves um, 85 wonderful appearances for Stoke uh, 16 lovely goals <laughs> between 2014 and 2019 signed from Barcelona oh. for almost nothing we paid pittance for him apparently it was less than half a million pounds he don't forget he was displacing Ibrahimovic and Henri mm. Barcelona, and he decided to come to us because Mark Hughes wants to play for Barcelona. It did take him a little while to adapt to English football, but then he just he scored that goal against Tottenham, and then he looked incredible up until that Rochdale game where he scored that absolute wonder volley. Still one of the best goals I've seen at Stoke. End within another couple, and then he, of course he got injured. I, I absolutely refuse to have this debate about whether he was better before or after his injury. He was bloody good before and after. I, I was. Uh, I don't care whether he was better or not. I was there that night. It was so grim. Were you actually? Yeah. Yeah. It was really cold, and then we had a wonderful goal, and it was like, oh god, he's the best player I've ever seen. This is so. <laughs> I'm so happy, and then he was like, oh. it's like, oh, oh no, no, my my prince. Oh, and then, yeah, and then he just didn't get enough game time afterwards, really, for me, but... Yeah. Just, just... He did still some good things after oh, that. Yeah. I remember the, uh, the the stop and turn he scored against Leicester, I think, and, and his part in the Man City demolition and whatever, and I just... The potential for him was so grand, and he should have had a incredible Stoke career he could have even gone on and done better things than us he should be ha- um, he should be one who's having a statue and it just didn't happen <laughs> and it it's like yeah. it was another one where he'd found his home like he'd been yeah. on all these he'd been at Barcelona and obviously it, he's spoken about it it's a lot of pressure especially when they're calling you the new Messi which I'm sure happens to more than one player every season but and and he'd been on loan to various places at Ajax and one of the Milans probably and then he came to us and it just worked and he was happy and he was so happy and you could see how happy he was and it made you happy and it made everyone happy well nearly everyone and it was just it was just (laughs) so lovely and he was really really fucking good and it was just like did i enjoy his goal against rotherham more than him playing guess who with mark muniezer in christmas jumpers it's close because both of them made me so happy and it's just i'm happy now that he's enjoying football again i just i just wish that had continued with us it's a shame it didn't but at the same time i can enjoy the good times and he was for a good time my favorite player Absolutely. And such a nice bloke. And like like you say, Barcelona basically gave him away despite him being this amazing prospect still, as we saw. And that was mm. just because they cared about him and they wanted him to be yeah. happy and have a nice life. I mean, they sent him to Stoke. Exactly. But, and and, yeah. and then we've done the same. We 
wrote off his contract or whatever and he's gone to Canada, which it, it seems a bit cold for him, but okay. He, he's he's enjoying it and he's playing and he's brilliant. And it's just, just what a, what a guy. I mean, you could, I, I'm genuinely welling up at your introduction. <laughs> yeah, and, no, I can see. Oh, I, love him he, so much. <laughs> We're getting misty-eyed over what could have been, I think, for Bojan. But I think that's a discredit to the things that he was actually involved in when he was yeah. with, You know, He was a good player, and I think one of the most intelligent footballs, and then off the pitch, by the way, mm. the way that he spoke about mental health to the, the press here, and he learned English, and one of the most intelligent players and and you know what I can see him being like one of those emotionally intelligent players as well knowing how to make other people happy mm. and sort of getting on with people I certainly don't think he was one of these people that disrupted the dressing room during our down period no it's just a shame our managers never picked him yeah I, I mean you automatically reach for the goals but it wasn't really about the goals with him when like if I was watching him play I just just for little simple passes the way he did yeah. everything he was like yeah. He was like the glue again, but in a completely different way to the way Glenn Whelan was the glue. He just he just made everybody else better. Yeah, oh. everything he did, he he did with a bit of something else. And yeah. like the runs he made and the way he touched the ball, you can tell he's from La Masia. Mm. Like you just knew, and you just don't get that from anywhere else. And I don't think we're going to see that again for a long time. Bless him. Um, yeah. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Well, it's not Christmas anymore. Oh yeah, no, happy well, Boxing Day. This is very appropriate. Well, no, day it's after. even last Boxing Day now. It's 27. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, I'm back at well, work today. Shit. <laughs> Unlucky. Well, no, you're not, because it's the 17th of November, Tony. So <laughs> Don't get too sad. To be fair, I'm, I'm working Boxing Day as well, but I get double time for that, so... Oh, God. <laughs> very contemporary. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> number 28. Thank God that... Well, I don't think if anybody else wore the number 28 of any significance they would have made this list anyway. Andy Wilkinson wore the number 28 for Stoke and he made 194 appearances for us between 2001 and 2015. 14, 15 years with Stoke, that is. He joined the Stoke Academy from local club Stone Dominoes and he was a one-club man. He had a couple of loans, but we completely forget about that, right? Mm. Andy Wilkinson, yes. Yes. Another local boy done good fullback yeah he scored one goal in his career for Partick Thistle against Clyde I doubt they appreciated it as much as we would have done oh god no <laughs> but I just just that FA Cup semi-finals goal that he really should have <sighs> scored and Walters tapped it in instead I can't believe he didn't score that it just would have been the perfect day and I can't help but think that that semi-final just isn't the perfect day because he didn't tap it <laughs> yeah saying that he just he was parting so much for us. I think when he was at the club, Stoke was successful. I mean, he underwent three promotions. Three. <laughs> he went to an FA Cup semi-final, got to Europa League playoff stages, and and he was still involved with Stoke at a time where we were just dynamite. And when he left, it all seemed to go to pot. Yeah, it's like um, we've said it a, a few times, but it's like he was the perfect player at the perfect time. Like if he'd been a few years earlier, he would have ended up going somewhere else because he would have been too good for us. And we just grew with him. It's like almost like the perfect football manager save, where you've got some really good young players and they just their their development just times perfectly with the leagues as you go up. It was just mm. the stars aligned. 
and he was so perfect for a Tony Pulis team as well, just the way he yeah. attacked everything, like Blood Thunder and Andy Wilkinson. Andy Wilkinson. <laughs> Alky yeah. Wilkinson. Happy Christmas, everyone. <laughs> uh, but he just summed up everything that, that Stoke Premier League team was just yeah. by being hard. And the fact that he was a local lad yeah. as well just helps. It, really it felt like he, he, he was hard but friendly. In yeah. Just like... like just scaring attacking players, but at the same time, nice bloke, never in doubt that he was anything other than a nice bloke. He just looked a bit fierce and he just chucked himself at everything. Also didn't have time to bleed. Just <laughs> just another just wonderful. If there's if there's one Stoke player that I ever get on this podcast, I want it to be Andy Wilkinson. Because I think his story would be incredible from the days when he joined the academy broke through had all them wonderful things as a stoke fan as well as a player that must have been remarkable for him and even towards the end of his time at stoke when he was basically forced into retirement too soon Mm -hmm. with that head injury and then the testimonial as well must have been just i'm just trying to think if i'm as big a stoke fan as he is which i'd like to think i am and I had a testimonial for <laughs> my own club. It it it, it, it I, you've completed life. Right, <laughs> yeah. uh, like, and and it, it it doesn't matter what he does now. I'm not even entirely convinced what he is doing now. I know he ran property for a bit. I don't know. What he's yeah, still doing I don't know. That, but, I know he can't play football because of his head, which is terrible. Yeah, really, really sad. I, I hope he's I hope he joins the old boys at Stoke one day. Some which way, if he's not done so already. But yeah, I'd like. That's that, that's a desperate shout from me, Andy Wilkinson. Please, 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 let me come and talk to you. Can't do that. Be immense. You'd have to make it like three episodes or something. Oh, I would. Yeah, and I'd have to. Well, I wouldn't even need to clickbait the shit out of that. Would no. I? Like, because I know we spoke to people within the Stoke sort of social media group before loads of times. But yeah, I I just want to talk about him and his journey with Stoke because yeah. it was it, it's perfect. It's such a good story for him, and I know it ended too soon, but I think that's better than us getting rid of him. And oh yeah, sort of the club for me. Like, so if there's one silver lining you can take from that, I guess there's that. I don't, I don't know if he'd have ever left anyway, really. No, but. bless him. But yeah, wonderful. A good twenty-eight. Yes. Glad we carried on past Christmas. Yeah, me too. Even if it's getting difficult. It was difficult to find actually many players at all who'd wore these numbers, let alone good players. But thankfully, the stars have aligned somewhere. I think it's a strong finish. I'll be honest. I think this is well exactly because number twenty nine is, I think, one of my first favourite Stoke players in Thomas Sorensen. One hundred twenty nine games between two thousand eight and two thousand fifteen. Joined Stoke as a newly promoted team in the Premier League. Uh, replaced. Steve Simonson, bless him, as first choice. And he was one of the reasons why we stayed up, as a number of these players in this list were. Saving penalties. Oh, I've got exactly the same note on my list. Saved so many penalties. And it's why, as he got older, he became the perfect cup keeper. He was yep. a huge reason why we got to that FA Cup final. Yep. In the Europa League, he featured as well. And I love Thomas Sorensen. He's <laughs> Brilliant. I I also love Thomas Sorensen. If if I said oh Beto, 
would you immediately <laughs> know the gif that video that I'm talking about where BT scored and runs back to him and I don't know it's to me but it's a it's an iconic little tiny clip for some reason yeah, yeah. He, he was such a glamour signing when he came to us even as a goalkeeper mm. it was like it felt like we'd made it because he was a proper Premier League player yeah. who'd been was it Villa yeah and much as I like Simo he was just really classy and he yeah. like there was something about him he just looked the part like everything he was doing you knew he was he, he knew what he was doing there was never any question even if he was going to make a mistake there was never any question but he knew what he was doing and he was just safe which is absolutely what you want from a goalkeeper oh god I can't remember him making many if any mistakes actually I know we got caught off his line for that Figueroa goal <sighs> but I mean that's can you blame him <laughs> it's just a good goal isn't it's, it? yeah it wasn't bad it's um, not like Begovic's goal well, exactly, and 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 he certainly redeemed himself, Sorensen. Anyway, mm-hmm. even if it was his fault, like he was fantastic. And as I say, one of my favourite Stoke players. I think he probably was my first favourite, which is nice. Yeah, he's definitely one of my favourites. And he sort of left with nice stuff as well. He left doing stuff for charity and. Oh yeah, pedalling around everywhere still, isn't he? Yeah. Good lad. Yeah. What a what a Living guy. In Australia. Yeah. What a guy, exactly. I, I, yeah, he's just another one of the nice crowd mm. at Stoke. Yeah, what I'd do for a pair of signed Tommy Sorensen gloves. Pay a load of money on eBay, I imagine. It is Christmas. <laughs> so I can give you my PayPal if you'd like. Anyway, we'll move on from Tommy Sorensen. Uh, number 30. Again, we're getting to the sort of part now where not many players have wore these numbers. Uh, but number 30, Ryan Shotton, of course, wore that number for us. He made 70 appearances for Stoke, scoring two goals between 2007 and 2014. Born in Fenton, which is, as as Tony's mentioned, another fullback mm-hmm. we managed to make. I mean, we say that. He, of course, started off as more of a centre-back and then played it right-back mainly. And then he was used up front. And then he played on the right wing for quite a bizarre little bit when Tony Pulis went senile. I'd forgotten when he uh, played up front. Yeah, he scored that yeah. goal against West Brom. Yeah. But... You know, he he wasn't the greatest player to have ever graced Stoke City's pitch, but when he made his home debut in 2011, he said it was one of the proudest moments of his life. And that, to me, means more than being a fantastic player. Yeah. I don't know why. And Well, shot, but, he was, he, shots was decent. He was, was he? was yeah. partly down to the way he was used, absolutely. exactly. Like, playing him instead of Pennant on the wing is never going to endear him to a fan base. And it's yeah. like, you can't really blame him for that. But he was just, he was almost too versatile. But he, he, he was very much a Pulis player in that way. And then he became Pulis's go-to man, didn't he? Because he's still at Middlesbrough now. Well, at the yeah. time of recording, I think Shots is still at Middlesbrough. I don't know if Pulis has gone back by the time this, is, this goes out. But yeah, so fair play to him. And yeah, good. I, it's he's been overshadowed a bit by your Wilkinsons and your, I won't say, but a local fullback, Don Good, just just a decent player, a good footballer. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this was off air, but when I spoke to Nigel Johnson, he said because Nigel Johnson used to be teacher, head oh, yeah. teacher, and he said that Ryan Shotton was at his school. Oh yeah. And he said, oh, he was a lovely bloke, and he was just delighted that he was a footballer for Stoke <laughs> as well. So. Yeah. And still going. Another, oh, this has been so nice. So many nice stories (laughs) about Stoke with all the crap that we've had. It's just nice to be able to think back to all the nice stuff we've had. And then we've only got one more to tell, mate. 
number 31, 31st of December, New Year's Eve. Dicko, Carl Dickinson. Tony's got a big grin again, which is nice yeah. to see. 60 appearances for Stoke between 2004 and 2011. A bizarre few amount of appearances for the amount of time that he was with us. But of course, another graduate of the Stoke Academy. Stoke Academy of fullbacks. Well, exactly. <laughs> Maybe we should... Well, we are continuing that with Tom Edwards. Yes. Yeah. But another player that was pivotal in that role of us getting up to the Premier League. I know there's that famous photo of him during the pitch invasion and he's just screaming. And singing Delilah as yeah, well. He loved to see it again. <laughs> Sadly, has played for Port Vale since and I think has racked up more appearances has, for Port yeah. Vale than he has for us, which is a bit sad. He's never, he's never debated where his heart is, has he? He's always been very oh, clear. Yeah. Like, even when he went to Vale, I think he said, yeah, I'm a Stoke fan. I'm a Stoke player. Means to end, right? I'll do a job. <laughs> Like, like me, yeah. They seem to have taken to him as well, which is nice. I noticed also he's the third Carl on our list, and they're all spelt with a C. Ha, huh. ha, huh, exactly. Well, how about that? Um, yes. But yeah, if you put a mirror like lengthways down the pitch, and you had Wilco and Dicko at fullback, and just everything's right with the world, that is the correct fullback pairing for Stoke forever. Yes. Just, mm. I actually met Dicko in Sheffield. When, when he was at Watford with Big Chris Iwilumo, both playing for Watford under Sean Deitch, and mm. it was my work Christmas do at a hotel in the centre of Sheffield, and we came up in the lift to like the sort of central reception area. The lift doors opened, and Dicko and Lumo were just sat on some comfy chairs outside the lift having a natter, and I just sort of stepped out of the lift and went, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm really sorry. Um, I'm a Stoke fan, and this is the most <laughs> exciting thing that's ever happened to me. And they were both really lovely and just wanted to chat to me. And I was like, I've got to go to my work, do I don't want to. And and they were so lovely. And then Sean Dyche came over and went, rah, 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 rah. Um, and then I went on to my work too and just spent the whole night going, Oh, oh, Dicko was there, and Luma was there, and he was the best thing ever. And I didn't get a picture. <laughs> Oh no. Bollocks. But it was brilliant. And yeah. they were just so nice and just wanted to talk about Stoke and football and ask me about my work do and stuff. And I mean obviously they were just bored. But it was it was just so nice. Mm. Uh, and yeah. Oh Dicko. Just everything's wonderful. Christmas is brilliant. I'm happy. I'm Stoke's happy lovely. Well. Even You know what? I'm really happy that we've done this. You're right, Stoke is lovely, despite all the well, we've had a pretty rotten year let's face it uh, it'll be ending strong though it'll be ending strong i can't even say god willing anymore oh man <laughs> got all Sorry. this way without upsetting me about Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> i hope he has a nice christmas as well i hope everybody has a very lovely christmas or if you're listening to this after because you don't want to spoil it to be fair, if this is the thing you're worried about spoiling your Christmas because you've heard things too early, then priorities, guys. But Well, have a terrific Easter, whoever you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Well, I'll tell you what, on that note, I think that's that's the good way to close uh, the YYY Files advent calendar. I hope you've enjoyed a break from the regular format and that the effort that went into this broadcast from myself and Tony was worth it. <laughs> Firstly, you know, I just want to thank you, Tony, for giving up your time in mid-November uh, to record a Christmas special with me for all the effort that you put in to help me out as well. Uh, you've, you've definitely saved me from a couple of names in there. But it's just nice to talk about nice Stoke things. Isn't it? Yeah, again, that's just what I like about this. It's, it's, this is the good place. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me anyway. It has been an absolute pleasure. I could not feel more festive in November. <laughs> I'm going to go and put some lights up or something. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, uh, I don't know, stick a tree somewhere. I don't know. Not, not like that. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to, I suppose. It depends how happy you are. Um, anyway, <laughs> I'll, I'll swiftly move on. I just want to thank everybody who supported the Wild 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 Falls in 2019. It's been a roller coaster year for me this year, personally. And having this platform has introduced me to and brought me closer to some excellent people. I'm just amazed by how many people love this format and it's motivated me to sort of give something back to those who maybe don't have a lot to celebrate at this time of year and it, and it should be a happy time of year. So if for some reason you're having a bit of a shit Christmas, then, well, at least you've got this. Maybe. I mean, me and Tony talking about 31 Stoke City players might not justify a good Christmas, but hopefully it helps. Never um, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Dave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't forget, you can come and tell your Stoke City story too on the YYY Files by heading to the website and clicking create your file. That's the com. Come and find us on social media at the YYY Files, where I plan to introduce some more regular content heading into 2020. I want to do a bit more on the social media side. I feel like sometimes I release a podcast once every couple of weeks and that's it. It'd be nice if we can have some sort of constant engagement with the good side of Stoke City. So I'm going to think of some ideas and maybe roll some people in to try and help me out because at the moment I'm doing this pretty much by myself and it's pretty tough so we'll see about that if you want to get in contact feel free to send something over to the yyyfiles at mail.com all address and handles have no dashes no spaces and no caps in them that just leaves to say one more time thank you Tony happy Christmas everyone thank you all very much for listening and I do wish you a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful 2020 until the next one but don't forget it could be your file one day Fizzing forty or Christmas card I write